what I have right now that isn't good. Everything you say is good, Benjamin. Thanks, Robert. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we are recording, actually. So. <laughs> oh, perfect. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> oh, baby. Do we have an episode today? Oh, I've missed doing this. I just, it feels right. When I'm back, uh, when I'm in a chair, when I have this headset on, it just feels right. You know I'm just ready to go. I'm ready to talk. I need to share these opinions with you, Robert. And you know the best part about this episode is that we have our matching Freestyle Boys coffee mugs. Oh, hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What's a podcast without matching coffee mugs? Uh, It's not even a podcast. It is. Uh, we'll definitely get a picture of these and, and post it, you know, our, when we have our raw, unedited version, um, you know, in about an hour here, uh, we're going to post it with these beautiful coffee mugs. You know, that's... Oh, oh shout out to Johnny Goldberg. I, I just remembered. It was his original idea, actually. What, for the coffee mugs? Yeah. JG. Yeah. I, I, I actually credited Jack <laughs> initially. It's like, wait, Jack, no, you didn't do anything. You can't, you can't say that guy's name without me getting triggered. <laughs> Ask me why. Why? Because that guy owes me 40 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Goldberg. Stonewall Goldberg making bets. He's great. Just walking making around bets, walking around the moves. venue. Just, Rob, you want some action on this 3.5 match? <laughs> <laughs> what a guy. What, what, what are you a guy? talking about? You degenerate. <laughs> and it's funny because, like, yeah, I, I forget about the 40 bucks, but he's like, hey, yo, if somebody owes me five bucks, I will kill that person. <laughs> I will take their knees out. I'm just like, so now I want to take his knees out. Anyways, Johnny Goldberg, ladies and gentlemen. Do we call it even just because of his idea for the coffee mugs? No. <laughs> oh, okay. Absolutely okay, not. never mind. <laughs> I'm not going to trigger Interest rates going up. <laughs> but thank you for the idea. Uh, so I'm looking at our, our Google Doc here, and I'm seeing pro intro, or like a professional intro yeah. to our episode yeah. later. Da, 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 da. <laughs> oh, you're just Ben Jones and Rob <laughs> Nunry and the Freestyle Boys. There you go, everybody. That was a professional God, intro. <laughs> you really brought it this morning. You really I'm just doing <laughs> intros right now. How much, I, my recovery scores from what must be off the charts because I have so much energy right now, and it is eight a, eight a.m. in the morning. Please do that again. <laughs> da, 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 da. Ben Jones, Rob Nunry. <laughs> the freestyle boys, hot opinions, hot takes, Xiao <laughs> uh, Long Bao, and oh, much more. It's getting longer. <laughs> it's getting longer. Uh, I'm gonna say it as it comes to me. Well, <laughs> thank you for that. <laughs> Pro intro. Um, okay, and uh, you know what? Else, what should we start off the episode with? If not NML pickleball. NML pickleball. So, no, we still don't know who it is. No, we do not. Every, like, as I go to tournaments, you know, to Cincinnati. It depresses me a little everybody bit. Has, everybody has their own take on who it is. And every, every pro seems to know about them. It's like either they read it or they heard it, they've heard yeah. of it, and they all, they all like it. Yeah. It's so funny. It is like, I'm just, I was talking to Leah Jansen about it briefly. And she's like, do you, do you read NML Pickleball? They had this hot opinion take on you. I was like, yeah, I eat that up. I love reading it. She's like, me too. <laughs> No, because so it it is interesting to read stuff that's being written about you. Yeah, it is. It's it's, it's kind of fascinating. <laughs> especially like, oh, this is what people think about me. Especially when it's not just straight like facts. It's it's pure opinion and yep. subjective and yeah, it's interesting. So any but but this is this is our issue, Benjamin. Tell me what the issue is. We basically threw out the suggestion that we you threw the gauntlet down we threw the gauntlet down we, we said look if you're gonna have hot takes awesome the sport does need that we need hot takes analysis opinion pieces but you need to be able to stand behind that with an identity with identity uh it's 
makes you more credible. Yeah, and sure, people are talking about, oh, who is it? Who is it? So yeah, there's there's that aspect. Mystique. There's that, that aspect of mystique and kind of growing the whatever of it. <clears throat> but I, I don't admire it as much. I don't admire it as much either. I, I don't know. Don't you want to be admired? By, by the, the freestyle boys, world. <laughs> by the freestyle boys, or the pickleball world. No, just the freestyle boys. Okay, yeah, just us. It's our opinion is the only one that matters. NML. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we will admire you. <laughs> but I feel felt like we we said that last episode, and they kind of replied ish, and no, that was a, it, but that was didn't. that was a non-reply. Exactly. That was a non-reply. It was a politician's reply. Yeah. They, was, they replied about being anonymous or something, but they didn't actually address our our complaint slash question a little it was they didn't really it was wildly fluffy for them exactly like they 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 take they they have opinions they have hot takes and then they just crystal clear with them and that yes and And then they fluff around this one was just a fluffy beast (laughs) that's what hannah calls so hannah calls my dog it's like you're the Uh, father of a fluffy beast Side note to the fluffiness, uh, they, they wrote a lot of good stuff about Atlanta. Uh, obviously, they do their, do their uh, live blog, which I like, and they had their takeaways after the tournament, which mm-hmm. were pretty cool. I, I like reading the takeaways. I think more um, you know, new, news pieces should be done on takeaways about tournaments. They did it for the U.S. Open. They did it for Atlanta. I thought they were both pretty, pretty well written and uh, good Agreed. stuff. Agreed. I'm just, I'm just pulling up some of the stuff about uh, their article on, on their non-response. If you want the actual hot takes, Ben and Robin, Ben, they're in these text chains on these road trips. It was just all blah, 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 blah. Uh, we're going to keep doing hot takes, and we're, we like pardon my take. Uh, it was just, yeah, they didn't address actually why they're choosing to do it anonymously other than the fact that they think they like that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> the pickleball world does not care. Fact. Steak. Stake your claim as... I like steak. Steak, yeah. Uh, like like uh, eating? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like. I got ste- some steaks in the fridge right now. I'm probably going to fix those. I like, I, like this, I like the other steak where you just like, you're, you're planting a flag. Oh, I like both of those. Yeah, both are fun. Because one, you're... Put one, down a firm flag. Yes, you're putting down a firm flag, which is what NML should do. Yes. Because I th- they want to be... We'll admire them, and I think they'll be more respected. They will. I think so. People are scared to to put their hot takes out there, right? Because they're afraid of judgment. They're afraid of whatever. Especially when you're talking about you know people that are playing pickleball as yeah, professional I mean, athletes. Yeah, it, it's hard to to straight up disrespect somebody, which yeah. is perfectly reasonable sometimes. But it's hard to do that and actually be you know and then a, see a real people. person and then that, see these yeah, people at tournaments and like, like oh, oh hey yeah I just awkward. said your I just said your <laughs> <laughs> I just said your backhand's flawed in my blog oh and I've said a lot worse. <laughs> No, but it, I think because even we run into that problem. Like we're not anonymous, but we will, you know, talk about uh, pro players, even friends of ours. And yep. It's like I I would like to say a little more about this, but yep. they might take it the wrong way, and yep. I don't want that to happen. So you got to be a little guarded. But the point is, they're not very guarded with what they say at all, right. and and we have to be a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, also the. the that's why kind of they're anonymous. That's my greatest reasoning for it. They feel free to have the most, uh, not outrageous takes, but definitely sometimes disrespectful to people because they yeah. don't have to stand behind it. And if you're going to have opinions like that, I maybe don't, maybe tone it down a little bit, but stand behind it and maybe you tone it down a little bit and you'd still be fine. Well, here's my thing. I think the only or don't tone it down. I know. I, I, I say don't. <laughs> I say don't tone it down. I, I I think the only reason that you don't that you don't identify yourself is 
that you have a stake in yeah, the pickleball world. Yeah, there's there's some stake in it because uh, like I think they said that there are just a couple pickleball lovers from you know wherever that took road trips, maybe played some age school tournaments, whatever, and they just really fell in love with pro pickleball. You know, if that's the case, like. Who cares, Me as a pro player, right? I could care less. I would appreciate it. I think you know, I I that you're standing behind it, but yeah. I don't actually personally know you. Yeah, right. Like, right. Eh, who cares if you? I would only care are. if it was like somebody I was going to play next week, and they're like, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, 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 right. It's yeah. So that's different. But if it's just in that case, it might just be mental intimidation. Gosh, this guy just called me out. <laughs> my entire game plan. <laughs> Uh, how do I play them? Exactly. <laughs> so if it, but if it's just you know a couple of pickleball kind of fanatics that fantastic, I'd like them all yeah. the more for it. it. It would grow your own brand and do your own like yeah, it, would, it would help you. Yeah. And we might even have you on the podcast. Maybe. Oh. So <laughs> I mean, who doesn't want to be there? <laughs> who doesn't want to be an honorary freestyle boy <laughs> for the day? I know Slim does. Maybe Gritty. What else we got? That was uh, just okay. Oh, okay. oh yeah, we forgot to introduce the sections. That was I was in you know news. No, you were in you were in pro way. intro mode doing oh, a jingle. Yeah, yeah, I was. <laughs> uh, but news, events in pickleball, noteworthy items, all that stuff. So that's NML. We got nationals moved to December. I think that had something to do with the the Indian Wells tennis event being moved as well. Uh, so you know they had to shift that around. I think they're swapping that with the uh, the PPA event that was planned to be in December. Uh, along the same dates. So the PPA will take over the November dates and nationals will shift to December. So nice to see that little interaction between USAPA and, and the PPA kind of putting stuff together and making schedules happen nicely. And nice to actually know that nationals will happen. Right. Because we didn't know for a we while, did not. right? So it's, you know, that's kind of a confirmation yeah, that it, it to go. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Let's talk a little bit about the Atlanta Open. Uh, not so much the results, but uh, what was different, all that stuff. Um, best three out of five and single elimination was the biggest change to format we've seen. Um, to be honest, uh, just talking with the PPA guys, I, I actually kind of proposed this uh, format to them a, a while ago. Uh, and this is the first one they experimented with it at. I think they asked some other pros and got some decent receptions. So they're, they're kind of experimenting with it this year. And I, I like to see that a lot from them uh, because they don't, they don't mind experimenting with new stuff and just seeing what works. And, you know, as long as they're sure it's not a terrible idea and it's not going to go really badly, they're like, Hey, let's throw it out there, see what people think afterwards and and go from there. Um, my personal thoughts are best three out of five is really cool. It feels more like tennis. You don't have those quick matches where maybe a team is cold and it just goes out in two games, 20 minutes and it's over. Nobody likes to see that in a championship match for sure. So the best three out of five is a little more entertainment. Of course, it can kind of drag if it's not a very competitive match and you're just like, yeah, everyone knows who's going to win this one and it's going three anyway. Um, but, you know, you, you take the good with the bad, and I, I kind of liked it for the championship matches. You get those in, you know, Grand Slam tennis tournaments as well, right? Yeah. It's, it's like you get, a, you get a Grand Slam final where it's, you know, straight sets. But at the same time, it just it also builds, for me, I think it just builds how, it builds the importance of the moment. Oh, like, absolutely. Oh, we're doing a best yeah. out of five. Like, I, I thought the crowd for the women's singles match, which went five, it was like 11, 8 in the third, uh, Leia Jansen and um, Catherine Perantio. I thought the crowd was going wild. Like, mm. obviously, there were great shots, but it definitely builds excitement when you're in that fifth game. You know, both players just put in so much hard work and intensity yeah. in the match, and the fifth one is, you know, the paramount kind of finishing game. It's, it, it's more than a third game, without question. Um, so I like that. Uh, of course, we did the single elimination, the U.S. Open kind of format. Um, 
on the on the first day because we had like the championship Sunday where it was best three out of five, and then the first days of all the formats, the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, were all single elim. My thoughts on single elim: uh, it's tougher for kind of the the top players that risk getting upset early and can't come back, so that's kind of rough. But I do feel like the the pickleball world likes to see new faces doing well, and you have a higher chance of that in single elimination. So that's a cool part of it. Um, and also, it's just more like tennis. It's it could be viewed as a little more professional. On the other hand, some people say you know double elimination is what makes pickleball special. You can come back yep. and all that. And to that, I'd say you know they both have their merit. So why not have a little bit of both? I, I like kind of how it is where the U.S. Open has the single elim format. You get some change there. Maybe the PPA is going to do it this year. They're going to do it at all the tier ones and uh, their normal format and all the other ones. So I just like the variety. I think you should definitely have both, and it's cool to have both. You don't need one consistent no. format. It's it's not essential because it's not like a player gets used to playing one format and then it's like, oh, I can't play the other format. Yeah, it it's doesn't like, matter. No, you go out to win no matter what. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Um, so yeah, I just I just like the experimentation and having a little bit of both, and players having to adapt a little bit just in terms of hey, if I lose this first round match, I'm I'm not gonna come back at all. Uh, so you got to be more focused, and it, it's it's pretty cool. Um, so I'm looking forward to the other tournaments and, and maybe some different formats. But we I both had an idea, Robert, that we definitely agreed on. Where, what is the the ultimate format that we we both like a lot? Yeah, so I like the I, I like the idea of single elim, but yeah, and you get a, you get a lot of upsets uh, if you do two out of three. But I think if you do three out of five, the 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 better team is going to win the majority of the time. You'll still have some upsets, which will still make it interesting. Uh, but yeah, the three out of five I really like for single elim throughout the entire tournament. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I mean, ideal two days, single elim, all best three out of five matches. You have less of a chance of an upset, so you feel like you know you didn't get upset just because it was early and they they kind of got lucky or it was a fluke or whatever. If three out of five, you'd have no excuse. Uh, but of course, you need to do two days with uh, three out of five because you can't do that all in one day mm -hmm. so that would be a, a very cool format of course the ppa just doesn't have uh a great reason to do a six-day tournament right now just because that would be tough on some players but i'd say they're definitely going to consider that for 2022 do you think the same for singles i think there's no problem with it for singles especially I mean, over two days i think yeah as long as it's two days i i feel like three best three out of five matches uh, singles would be tough but as long as you're going like three and two, I feel like that's manageable. I don't want to be going three and three back to back, but uh, three and two I think is manageable. Um, yeah, we'll we'll get more to the the single stuff a little later um, in our hot take section. Yes, we will. <laughs> so Atlanta Open also did a great job, I thought, in terms of you know it's such a small touch, but small touches go a long way. Uh, having names on lockers was really cool. I think, you know, many of you maybe saw some pictures out on social that had, you know, each player had their locker. Heck, just lockers is nice. Yeah, just locker, <laughs> just a locker room, right? right? Yeah, it's absolutely true. Um, and then having a player's area that was kind of sectioned off um, so you have some privacy and you can kind of, you know, mentally prepare for the other matches that, that are coming up without getting too distracted with, with, other, uh, with other people at the venue. Parking. Gosh, I love having parking. <laughs> it was nice. <laughs> it was nice. It's just not that hard to do. So props to the PPA for getting that done. Uh, nice area, nice parking. That's all. Just little stuff that goes a long way. Um, the One of the biggest things, I think, from 
outside of pros that people watching noticed was a big time referee error in the in the women's doubles final. It was the the fifth game. Uh, Simone and Lucy playing the Waters. Uh, Simone and Lucy call a timeout at four three two. Uh, they come back out of the timeout, and the ref calls 5-3. From I was watching this, and, and I'm pretty sure I, I still didn't go back and watch the live stream, but, but we did get confirmation that it was actually 4-3. But I think the Waters got confused because they had Annalise serving on the deuce court, uh, and they were lined up to serve the other side. And it's like they thought that Annalise was serving at 4, but she was actually the incorrect server. Lee needed to be serving at four over to the ag court, but then that's where kind of the refs got confused because they're like, Anna Lee's lined up, they serve this way, which means they might have five. So it was kind of a big catastrophe. Everyone was in the wrong place. Uh, but yeah, so it, it was actually the wrong score. I'm not going to rag on referees. They, they generally do a great job. And of course, scoring errors is one of the most fundamental things, but if you referee enough matches at one point, it is going to happen. Yeah, I'm not sure what the actual... Uh, I just heard some people talking about... Like, were they not able to check back on the live stream to see the score? Well, the weird thing was <laughs> he, the, the the ref walked over to the live stream. I talked to Scott Golden later, and Scott and whoever else was commentating there was like, uh, it is 4-3. But I don't know if the ref took that at face value because it was more of just what Scott said. Yeah. I, I don't think he actually checked the live stream. I think it was kind of tough to go back and see Got it. Like while it was live. Um so it was kind of a at that point the refs like well I can't go back and see I kind of just got to go with what I know yeah you're not gonna turn it over because then you just look kind of weak so yeah. I I get where he was coming from uh, obviously nobody likes to see the wrong decision happen but it, it did uh, and that just takes us to should you be able to to go back and and look at calls like that in my opinion it should never be used for like a line, a line call. call challenge right. that's kind of ridiculous just because right. you. You can't it's really still see grainy stuff and still not it's just accurate, not good yeah. enough, not not close. Um, but for stuff like scoring, which obviously very rarely ha rarely happens, it should be an option just because you you have the video right there. Why would you not use it? it? Yeah, it's a finals match. You want to get it right. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, regardless, they they you know they pulled it out even though they kind of lost the point there. Mm -hmm. Technically, uh, they came back and they won. So so props to Lucy and Simone. And yeah, again, refs have a th thankless job, right? So they it's, do. It's, it's, it's really you tough. can't rag Thank on. Thank you, refs. referees. Yeah, you yes. guys are doing great. I know they stayed out at till like twelve thirty a.m. to finish amateur matches on Saturday night, uh, and these are like you know the certified best refs we have, and they're still until twelve thirty, and then they're up the next day for eight a.m. Like they yeah. have it tougher than they, the players yeah, do a lot absolutely. of the time. So they they do a great job, honestly. And um, you know, if you don't thank them already, you definitely should. Yeah, it's, it's it's tough. So next next kind of tournament with this with this PPA format, the Tier 1 PPA format, will be? The Takea Showcase in uh, Newport Beach in August. So they're doing it for all their Tier 1s this year. So that'll be Atlanta, the, the one in August in Newport, uh, the one in Las Vegas in October, and the one in Phoenix in uh, November now, the one that was in December. So we'll have three more of that format going forward. Nice. And I guess we'll get to this a little, little bit later, but this is just kind of off the off the top of my head. I was just thinking about how many, you know, thinking about the singles format, and if it was broken into two, di two days, 
I was just thinking, you know, more people would probably be inclined to play. I know I'd be inclined mm-hmm. to play more if I if it was broken to two yeah, days. Yeah, because especially when singles is first, everyone's factoring it into, hey, I'm probably not gonna, you know, medal in this event, but I'm my body's gonna take a beating. Yeah, and then I'm gonna play doubles the next day. Yeah, it's not Oof. quite worth it. Yeah, so two days makes a lot more sense because if you lose on that first day, you got a whole recovery day. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but the issue that I was thinking about is, you know, there are already how many people in that singles draw? 44 in Atlanta? Yes, yes, so 44, 44 in guys in the singles draw, which is, you know, that, that's a pretty large singles draw. Um, and at the same time, I don't know if I want to have to battle through that many matches to also play that play that long. And if it's broken into two days, you'll probably have even more than 44 because they're more inclined to play. Correct. You know, you'll get some of the top doubles guys that are like, yeah, sure, let's, you know, I'll give it a go. It's <laughs> over two days. I'll have a whack at it. Yeah, I'll have a whack at it. I'll go see if I can light some forehands up. Um, <laughs> Who doesn't love to drive a couple forehands and just see what happens? It's fun. <laughs> it is fun. Uh, but, but at the same time, that draw would be even bigger and... Uh, I don't know if we necessarily need bigger draws at these pro, yeah, pro events. Yeah, I feel like it would start to look e- more professional, though, if you get that two-day format, you get more entrance, and once you have that kind of a firmer number of entrants where you consistently get those larger draws, you can start doing qualifications yeah. and all that. So quantity is definitely something you want. You just got to know how to manage it. Yeah. Qualies. I think there should be a lot of – I think qualies should be a thing that's starting to happen. Mm-hmm. Qualies. Uh, it, it, so looks, y- it looks a lot more professional. It's, like, yeah. People outside of the sport are very confused when you're like, oh, yeah, you can just sign up for the Pro Division. Like, huh? Yeah, you don't have to qualify. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there should be qualities. And then you have you can limit these draw sizes just the same way, like, you know, ATP, Grand Slam tournaments do it. Um, and then, yeah, then it's a bit more prestigious, too, for that main draw. Yep. You know, you have people that have worked. It's an accomplishment to qualify. Yeah, you've, you've worked <laughs> your way to get there. And, and then the draws are also more manageable for the, for the pros that are playing all of them. You know, they know they're not going to have to play 10 matches. Yeah, and I, I mean, a simple way, I think, for the PBA to incorporate this, because you don't really want, like, a whole, like, the national system where you got these regional qualifiers or whatever. Nobody even knows how those work. Mm-mm. They're very confusing. You're not even playing for money. You're playing for qualifications. Yeah. It's like a, it's just a mess. Uh, I, I think a, an easy way for the PBA f- to do it would be just they have their tier system already. Um, obviously, we saw this. Tier 1 had 44 entrances in the singles. It's getting pretty large. So you should make your tier threes for instance they have tier one tier two and tier three for this year uh just use your tier threes as qualification for your tier ones i mean there's a number of ways to do that in terms of did did they win a match like that's just a simple system there's a lot of ways to do it i'm not sure what the perfect system is but you can use your smaller tournaments as qualifications for your your largest ones i I think that's the point and it would probably increase entrance to the smaller events for them for sure you know yeah i think it's good all around so Last noteworthy item. So I went to I went to beautiful Middletown, Ohio. Middletown. Middletown. Gosh. That's wow. also known as the Cincinnati Open. <laughs> okay. Even though it's Middletown, <laughs> it's fine. Uh, that was an experience. I mean, the AP. I thought the APP did a did a fine job. Um, could I nitpick? Sure, but you know, I think overall, I think Ken and his crew did a did a good job. Um, just you, there's a lot of things they couldn't control. Like I, I went to Middletown and I was like, you know, car rentals are like outrageous. Apparently there's some car rental shortage because like when the pandemic happened last year, a lot of the rental car companies sold a lot of their inventory just to kind of stay afloat. And now it feels like there's, yeah, there's a shortage in every city I'm going <laughs> to. So I'm like, I don't want to rent a rental car for four days for $500. I'm just going to, you know, I'll take a $50 Uber from the airport and then I'll just Uber around five, six bucks at a time when I get to Middletown. 
And it turns out there's one there's one Uber driver, Lyft driver in Middletown. This lady, <laughs> there's one. This lady <laughs> named Kelly who <laughs> who I who I met. She's probably making a killing. <laughs> I was like, I was like Kelly, how can I, I? I'm even trying to schedule these lifts like a day in advance. She's like, how can I? How come I can't get one? She's like, well, I'm the only driver here. <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> that makes sense. That's hilarious. Uh, so Let it yeah, go, Kelly. <laughs> but there, there's there's a morning singles morning where I was like, I don't know if I'm gonna make it at the courts because I scheduled a lift and they were three minutes away and then they just canceled on me and. You know, luckily, AJ. Fun Col- fact about scheduling, Robert. What? Scheduling for Lyft doesn't actually schedule anything. It just calls it for you at, the, at that minute in advance. I know, <laughs> I know. But the scheduling to the airport on the way out did work. So hey, maybe there's something to it. <laughs> I'm holding on to belief. But anyways, AJ Kohler to the rescue on uh, on Singles Morning because he grabbed me a couple minutes before the before we were supposed to start, and then it started raining, so didn't actually have to be there. But uh, so yeah, it's a Middletown. I probably won't go back. It just wasn't a lovely, lovely place to visit. Um, the tournament overall, you know, I thought it was, I thought it was run well. I thought I played fine. Uh, I, had, I hadn't played for like, you know, that was what the first tournament after the U.S. Open, mm-hmm. and I was in. I had, you know, random, random fact. We just decided to move to Texas on a whim. <laughs> And so yeah, so I, oh, so yeah, so I live in Austin, Texas now, <laughs> not in Florida anymore. Um, but is yeah, it a, is it a whim or is it a freestyle? It's a freestyle. Yeah, why why even say whim? <laughs> so yeah, just pure freestyle action. Uh, Jack, Jack, and I and Lucy, we're all in Austin, and we're currently in Savannah though. I don't think we gave much context for where we're at right now. It's a lovely setting, Benjamin. We're on a patio, screened in patio in Savannah, Georgia, Tybee Island, Island actually. We're looking out over. Is this the ocean? This is the ocean. I mean, it's close it's an enough. It's inla- inlet of the ocean. It's a tributary. There, there's a dock. There's a hammock. There's some nice marshland grass outside of the water, which we were both saying we like very much. I like water and then grass. I don't just want water. No, it's not the same. Uh, yeah, there's something to be said about having... Uh, Set the tone, Robert. Yeah, you, you need some contrast. We do. So if you, haven't, if you haven't been down to the coastal Georgia, it's... it's one of my favorite places, just because yeah, you have you have a ton of marshland. It's similar to the Charleston, that Charleston area, um, Hilton Head, I guess. But I just love the water and the marsh and you know the swaying of it the <laughs> thingies. <laughs> it is. It's very pleasant. I like the South. You're you're in the South, boy. <laughs> Let me get you some shrimp and grits. That's a, that's a great accent. <laughs> <laughs> you, you nailed it. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, just some quick results. I'll just kind of go over them real quick. Um, women's doubles at Atlanta. Simone and Lucy won. I don't think anyone's super surprised, but the Waters made a great showing. Took a best out of five. I like to see them making the finals again uh, of one of the bigger tournaments because I felt like they fell short a couple times where they could have made it. Uh, so it's nice to see them back, both playing pretty well. Um, yeah, just a- awesome, entertaining match. Probably the best match of the weekend, in my opinion. Fantastic points. Uh, mixed doubles. We've all seen that final before. Um but Anna Lee and Tyson got third. I, I'd like to see that. Anna Lee was playing really well. I got to play her. Super fun match. I hit her in the ponytail twice. Kind of felt bad, but kind of didn't. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, is this, uh, is it too much against a 14-year-old gr- girl? Ah, no, she's pretty good. She can handle it. It's just a ponytail. <laughs> it's just a ponytail. Um, let's see. So that's the, then the men's doubles. Riley and Tyson got it. They played Jocelyn and Pat in the final. Lost myself to Jocelyn and Pat. They played great. Uh, but, yeah, it was cool to see them make the final. They they come close many times. So, you know, congrats to them. They, they played well. 
Um, let's see. The women's singles, Leia and Catherine made the final. Uh, I kind of like to see the women's singles getting a little more variety now. You got uh, Leia doing well recently. Catherine doing well. Uh, Arena and Callie are, are like they're all kind of milling around in that same area where they're all doing well. So it's nice to see change in, in who's doing, who's finishing. Annalise getting some W's too. And Annalise, yeah. So you got like five right there that are all kind of ish around the same area with a slight edge to some. Uh, and then Simone, of course, is super good when she's uh, feeling healthy. I know she wasn't moving at her best on singles day, hence the withdrawal. Uh, but when she is, she's uh, right there with them or usually a little above. Um, men's singles, uh, kind of the classic top four now uh myself tyson jay and, and zane jay and zane have been going back and forth a little bit as have tyson and zane so it's, it's cool to see that little mix but yeah it's the kind of the classic top four uh i think that's all the all that's surprising oh you're, yourself robert you got fourth that wasn't bad it wasn't bad i wasn't very happy with it but yeah it's kind of what i expected from you yeah well you expected the fourth or you expected me not to be happy about it both oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, no i it, it was it was fun playing with deckel uh, he's just a very very large human on court <laughs> and i tried to get out of his way as much as i could but yeah i thought we, i thought it was, it was it was a blast playing with him i mean we played a bit in practice together so it was it was cool to do in a tournament i like to see you adapt to the forehand side yeah it's uh it was definitely a challenge for me um it was the first tournament i've played fully on the right right hand side uh, just coming from tennis, I, I'm just way more comfortable on that little, on the backhand dink, just that cross-court backhand dink. I feel like I can do uh, probably seven days straight without without missing too often. <laughs> uh, forehand side, I feel like I can hit three dinks, and then I need to speed <laughs> it up really fast because I'm not comfortable there. You and, you and me both, Robert. But, <laughs> but like, like I keep telling you, I just feel like you're built to be a right-side player. Yeah, it could be. It, uh, yeah, it's very, it, fade backhand so hard on the counters, you got just uh, you get it down. Yeah, you have a nice forehand roll. You have a nice middle ball at the forehand. You just built there. You're built for that. You just haven't done it enough yet. Yeah, I think I think if I dialed in the just the consistency on the dink stuff, um, I could be there. Yeah, it's mostly the dinking and the attacking out of the air. Yeah, right attacking out of the air as well. Because I have I come up and I, it's more of like a upper mo. It's like right. well, you're just using such a severe continental grip that you're not able to hit it super. Not flat going flat because it'll it. just go out. Yeah, exactly. So. Um, but yeah, just a couple things, and I think I could be. I think I could be right there. You know, there's a lack of very good right side players, so it's it's a yeah. valuable commodity. You can. It, it's interesting now how you see that trend. That you have players that usually play a specific side now, and honestly, I feel like you have more left side players than right side players. Absolutely. And as a really good right side player, the best left side players, which are like the most dominant players, look for you, right? Yeah. And, and you're more valuable. So it is actually valuable to specialize as a right side player. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think that's all for results. Um, upcoming, what what APPs you got, Robert? Upcoming. Oh, Benjamin, my schedule for the next month is pretty uh, pretty intense. I've got Indianapolis next weekend, and I'm playing. Who am I playing with? I'm playing with Stone, which will be fun. And then you're my, you're my pick to win it. And then we've got I've got Michelle, I believe, for mixed. And then we go to LA Open, mm -hmm. La Habra. La Habra. So not actually LA, La Habra. Okay. Yeah, that's, it's I love it, how they just call it the major city yeah, nearby. <laughs> typical AP <for> fashion. <laughs> um, and then from LA Open, we go to the SoCal I mean, Classic. To be fair, we did call the last term of the Atlanta Open, and it was in Peace Street Corners. So. <laughs> yes, but Atlanta is Atlanta's just so big. Uh, okay. Yeah. Fair. 
growing up in Atlanta, like even if you live, like I grew up in Conyers, but I would say I, you know, it would be Atlanta uh-huh. for anybody, for anybody even not in the Atlanta area. If I was talking to somebody in South Georgia, it's like yeah, I'm from Atlanta. So anyway, so LA Open, and then I've got the SoCal Classic in Encinitas at Bobby Riggs, Gosh, that's and then we finish then we got PPA San Clemente. Then we got San Clemente. So you got a tournament every week in June. Yeah, it's pretty. And I only have one. Gosh, I'm just gonna be watching you play. Yeah, just. Like I said, like I said in Middletown, if I'm on court and you see me struggling, just shoot me that text. I got my court. I got my phone okay, on the court. I'm, I'm gonna do that now because I was watching you play singles. It's like, ah, oh, gosh, I Why just want to say something right now. He's doing the wrong thing, but <laughs> he's not gonna check his phone on court, so it's too late now. Absolutely. And little would. did I know his phone was on court, and he would have checked it. I'm just waiting for somebody to just text me, like, <laughs> what to do? Please stop doing this. Do this instead. <laughs> Oh, uh, but actually, you know, I had fun in singles. In is it illegal to coach on court with via phone? If you get caught. <laughs> <laughs> I have no, idea. I, have no uh, idea. I mean, I guess it's still legal during timeouts. So it should be fine. Yeah. Just Googling how to win singles matches. <laughs> Googling it. <laughs> how to win singles. Oh, gosh. Uh, fun, uh, random funny story from yesterday. I was staying at a little inn, and uh, I was just sitting by the pool, and this, this lady comes out, and she's like, yeah, I tend the computer at the desk. You're the only young person here, and we're having a major problem with my computer. The screen turns sideways. Do you have any idea how to fix that? I was like, well, no, ma'am, not off the top of my head, but I probably could. And she's like, oh, oh can you come help me? I was like, yeah, sure, sure. Uh, it took exactly one Google search to figure out that Control-Alt-Up turned it back normal. <laughs> Go- Google's amazing. <laughs> Google's amazing, guys. The best tech support there is. <laughs> um, all right, so freestyle. Oh, well, before we yeah, – okay. well, on, the, on the note of freestyle, yeah. we just had a lot of firsts yesterday, didn't we? We did. I, I'd like tell, to go, tell me what we I'd did. I'd like to go through that list. Yeah, what do we do? Well, the, f- the first one that comes to mind, we ate crawfish for the first time. I had never had crawfish. It was always very intimidating to me. Yeah, like, you know, you head, got the whole got body the whole thing going on. Thing. It's a lot going on. And we had this dude come over and actually – Teach you know, us how to eat it. Give, <laughs> us a, give us a lesson <laughs> on how to do that. So you pull the tail, you try to get the meat from there, and then you suck out the head, right? Yeah. Is that right? It just, yeah, it just wasn't very good. It was not good. Like, I don't mind getting However, dirty with it, but it just wasn't very good. <laughs> I love the ex- new experience. At least I know now that I don't want more crawfish. Absolutely. We did it. Uh, what else was first? Uh, I feel like I had, s- like, at least four or five first yesterday. That was my first tech support yesterday. Oh, yeah, first tech support. That's a <laughs> new career for you. Just yeah. hang up hang I up. I visited St. Simon's Island for the first time. Oh, yeah. That was fun. Yeah. I met your mother. Oh, you did. Miss, Miss Nunnery. Jan. Jan. She's cool. Or as Jack likes to say, Jane. <laughs> close, <laughs> close enough. <laughs> Funny story with Jack, my wife. She was, you know, like a, a year after we got married, she would just like, <laughs> we'd, uh, I'd just be talking to her. She'd be like, you know, how's Jane doing? I'm like, Jane, who's Jane, 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 Jane? Do I know a Jane? <laughs> She's like, your mom. I'm like, Jan? <laughs> I like shouting she's mad at you that you don't recognize. You're like, don't you know your own mother? Yeah. You're like, no, no, Jack. That's just the wrong name. <laughs> Classic Jack. Oh, good stuff. Um, so, to the freestyle. We are here in Tybee Island, and it's for Robert's birthday week because he didn't get to celebrate his birthday. Well, that's not quite entirely true. I did go to Buffalo Wild Wings with uh, you know a group of people. And then Jack sent me PD Light and Beef Jerky. Yeah, not good enough. Via DoorDash in Middletown to the Quality and Sweets, which when you pull it up, you see seven trucks, one dilapidated trailer, 
and a big empty parking lot beside the freeway. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great. Way so to paint that picture. Good, good birthday weekend. <laughs> good birthday for Robert. Yeah, so we're gonna we're in here in Savannah, Tybee Island. We're gonna have a fun week of pickleball at Savannah Country Club. Maybe play some golf. Uh, do a lot of fun activities. Go on a boat. Water. Go on a boat. Go to uh, Savannah Bananas. Talk about that later. Uh, no, you know we're gonna talk about it now. I like Savannah Bananas. Savannah Bananas. Take it away. If you don't know Savannah Bananas. You should. It's a it's a independent. I think it's independently independent league. I don't know. It's it's basically a semi pro baseball team here in Savannah that has just blown up over the past couple of years. I met I met the owner of Savannah Bananas, Jesse Cole, at a business conference a few years ago. Had dinner with him, and he was telling me all about this crazy thing he was doing in Savannah about creating this baseball team and basically changing the rules of baseball because baseball is too slow and too boring. You know, and a lot of the purists and traditionalists, you know, that, that follow baseball hate it. Uh, but at the same time, you can't argue with the results. This, this dude sold out every game he's ever put on. <laughs> it's, it's sold out into next year already. Like, he's, he sells out he's everything. Killing he's killing it. And uh, so just some of the banana ball, so they call it what they play, banana ball. And just some of the rules off the top of my head are are fun. It just makes the game move quicker. It uh, makes it, it it's more interactive for the fans. Um, where we're staying, uh, Jalen, who Jalen Brennan, who runs the pickleball program at Savannah at Country Club, Savannah Golf Club, Savannah Country Club. Um, oh yeah, no Savannah Golf Club. Savannah I got, I, Golf she Club. told me last time, do not get that wrong. Yeah, they're rivals at Savannah yeah, Country Club. Savannah Golf Club. <laughs> Savannah Golf Club. So, yeah. Yeah, oh, fun she, fact. Because I like fun facts. They have the oldest golf course in the U.S. Oh, I did not know that. Yep. That's fascinating. Mm -hmm. Well, Savannah Savannah's one of the fought, oldest cities And here. they fought si a Civil War battle on that golf course. No way. I'm not when it was a golf course, guys. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean. Well, you said it's the oldest golf course in the U.S. <laughs> yeah, maybe so maybe I, I they did. I had to clarify just in case that was reasonable to some people. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds reasonable. <laughs> it does. 1860s? There definitely could be a golf course Gosh, there. Maybe, maybe there was. I don't know. I'm questioning myself now. That would be interesting, though. Um Oh, but anyway, so if Savannah Bananas, so Mark's, Mark Silver's, Jalen's boyfriend was saying even last night how fun it was going to the games and that he even sang karaoke, karaoke, on, the field. karaoke on the field. For some reason, I, don't, I never got the story. I, would, I don't uh, know why that happened, that's but it just did. pretty random, and he also said he did a kickball game on that field. So there's a lot of weird stuff going on in Savannah Bananas. But they're good baseball, baseball players. They're like, you know, oh, college they're, No, they're like high-level high level D1 college baseball players. Their summer league. Yeah, so it's their summer league practice. And it's just, you know, if I was a college baseball player, I'd definitely want to play for them. Why not? It's so some of, the, some of the rules, you can't step out of the batter's box. So you got to stay in there because that slows down the game. There's no mound visit, so you can't have players come to the mound. You can't have coaches come to the mound. Um, if you foul a ball into the crowd and, a crowd and somebody in the crowd catches it, that's an out. Nice. That's fun. I like to be part of the game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's, it's including fans in the game. Uh, if there's ever like a wild pitch or a pass ball uh, from the catcher, the batter can immediately run to first base and try Am to I steal wrong? first. Can they actually just try to steal first at any time? Yes, anytime. Yeah, obviously it's not smart if the pitcher if they, or the catcher yeah, has yeah, it in yeah, their yeah. hand, but you can do it. You can do it. So that's 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 fun. Uh, one thing I do like is like if it's if it's a tie game, instead of going to extra innings, it's basically a one-on-one -on -one showdown between the I pitcher and the batter. <laughs> so you have the pitcher and the batter. And if the and there's nobody in the field, right? It's just a pitcher on the field, no no fielders or position players. So if 
if the pitcher pitches, the batter hits it to the outfield or infield or whatever, the pitcher has to actually run that ball down themselves and try to tag the batter out. <laughs> so <laughs> so if he hilarious. hits it to the outfield, the batter's trying to run around all the bases so to get to funny. home before the pitcher can run out there, grab the ball, and run back to tag them. So Jesse just basically created this thing called Banana Ball, and it basically reinvented baseball, and he talks about it. It's not so much a game. It's more of like a, it's more of like a performance. <laughs> so... We're going to that on I Friday think, I night. I think Mark called it a circus. A circus? <laughs> yeah, that's probably <laughs> no, Jaylen more. Jalen called it a circus. That's probably more accurate. <laughs> yeah. So but it'll we'll, be really we'll, fun. We'll update you. Once we go, we'll let you know how it is. And then, uh, so when I was in Austin, I was talking to, you know, Steve Kuhn, who runs Dreamland, created Duper, um, and just is a big idea guy. And uh, he was like, yeah, you have to get to Savannah Bananas just to see what they're doing, because Steve wants to incorporate some... I don't know, not not necessarily what they're doing, but the idea behind it of, of kind of innovating the game, making it more fan-friendly and making it quicker. Like, he wants to incorporate some of that stuff into pickleball. So I'm going gonna to go to that game on Friday, report back to Steve, and, and hopefully we can See have some fun. we can fun do to make pickleball even more fun. Exactly, have some fun <laughs> stuff later this I'm year. Because I'm not calling it as boring as baseball. And I can say that I did play many years of baseball. Yeah, yeah baseball can be slow. I, I love playing it, but I do not watch it. Yeah. I think that could be said about a lot of pickleball f- players, actually. That's true. Yeah. That's true. So we're looking to make it more entertaining for the fans as well. So something we're adding to the freestyle section is the freestyle of the week. Our our best freestyle oh. story yes. uh, <laughs> that happened recently. Uh, so this one I, I did. I'm, I'm very proud of it. It's my best one to date, I think. Uh, so I was in Austin with Rob and Jack. Uh, I was staying with them. And I had to go home. Um it was Mother's. It was right before Mother's Day. It was like Thursday. Mother's Day was on Saturday, I think, Saturday or Sunday. Uh, so I was going home to Maryland, and it was Thursday afternoon. Um, Jack's driving me to the airport, and we're about five minutes from the airport for her to drop me off for my flight. And I, I just, I, <laughs> I basically, I, I said to Jack, I was like, I don't want to go. <laughs> I don't want to get on this flight. <laughs> And she's like, we're there. I was like, Jack, I just canceled my flight. Let's go to Austin. <laughs> Let's go to Austin downtown and have a fun day slash night. And she got so excited. She just about jumped out of her seat because that's her favorite thing in the world, freestyle decisions. Uh, and I did cancel it. And I didn't get my, my next. I was I needed to leave the next day. Like, I actually had to or else my mother would have been very mad with me, which we can't have. Nope. Um, so I did end up getting a flight for the next day. But that didn't happen until the next day. Uh, so we basically walked around downtown from 4 o'clock in the afternoon till 3 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> Robert joined us at one point. There was a wonderful steak dinner. There was wine and margaritas around I heard, downtown. I heard, some, I heard some speakeasies. Some there were some speakeasies. Uh, we went to Here Nor There, which is the best name of a speakeasy I've ever heard. Uh, yeah, I know a lot of interesting things happened that night. But what I really want to emphasize is I don't really believe in good karma or whatever. There's something like whatever. It doesn't matter. But. A lot of things just happened to fall into place that night. I got codes to doors for speakeasies. <laughs> there were just pe- nice people. There was a homeless guy that did a, a rap about freestyle because I was wearing a shirt that said freestyle. It was just a splendid night because of the freestyle decision. That wouldn't have happened if I didn't. And you know what? I'm going to remember that night for a long time. Whereas if I show up one day later to home, I'm not. Yeah, I don't, I don't care. I'm you get never going to f- that. You get on that flight, it's just another flight. Exactly. It's just another day. But I was happy. Yeah. The whole flight. The next day, when I got out, I was like, "Gosh, what a what a night last night!" <laughs> and that's that's why you freestyle. That's why you freestyle. So my freestyle of the week, and moving forward, we'd also like you to send in your freestyle of the week. Maybe you'll get and we will highlight you. Showcase. Oh yes, 
I, I might actually share every freestyle of the week. <laughs> just because everyone that happy. gets sent in, because it, yeah, it's just so fun. <laughs> it is freestyling is fun. So okay, so my freestyle of the week is actually not by me. It's by Jack, and this is uh, <laughs> this uh, this is a pretty good freestyle. This might be her best freestyle. I'm not sure, uh, but I was supposed to fly to Austin for a duper commercial shoot, and I was just planning. I even you know the day before I bought a round trip ticket, fly to Austin, fly back to Fort Myers. And that was that. But at the same time, I was like, you know what, Jack? What if we, what if we just left this apartment and didn't come back until like our lease is over at the end of July? And this is, I don't know what date this was. I don't know, it, maybe early May. Mm-hmm. And well, it was like right when I came, right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. So so I was like, Jack, what if, uh, yeah, what if we just left? And she goes. Yeah, I think I'm gonna leave today. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "What do you mean?" She's like, "Yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna get Lucy and throw some stuff in the car. I'm just gonna start driving." And I was like, "To Austin, 19 hours." She's like, "Yeah." She's like, "Just find me a place to stay, and I'll just stay there, and then I'll just keep driving, and I'll just meet you in Austin, and we can just live in Austin now." <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, "All right." Who, and who then does that? And then <laughs> so that afternoon, she likes you know she packs some of her stuff, she throws stuff in the car, gets Lucy in the car. What you gotta realize is this is like a. a th- three-hour move decision. It's like she decides, she throws stuff in the car, throws the dog in the car, and just leaves. To move across the country. To move across the country. (laughs) (laughs) How do you do do that? So I walk her out to the car right before she's leaving. You know, I'm like, okay, drive to, you know, get to Tallahassee tonight. That's a solid six hours, and you just slowly make your way to Austin. And uh, (laughs) so I'm, I'm, you know, saying goodbye to her while she's sitting in the car, kiss her goodbye, and she goes, you know what? If you would have told me this morning that I'd be moving... I wouldn't have believed you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you don't say. <laughs> so that's uh, that's our freestyle of the week. That's Jax. She killed it. That's fantastic. That's very good. I think uh, it's gonna be hard to top those just, two for just, a while. Just moving on a whim. Yeah, but you know what? Every freestyle decision is an important decision. So don't don't minimize your, your freestyle. freestyle decision. You said it to us anyway. Yes. The legend of Chet Subaru. Oh, we're already on Chet. Who is Chet Subaru? Oh, is he famous? Chet Subaru. Chet Subaru. <laughs> I don't even know where to start with this guy. <laughs> I, I, I've met him several times. Um, my favorite line that he's ever used, we were sitting at dinner with Chet Subaru, and the waitress comes over, like, you know, trying to refill his refill his water, because <laughs> uh, I don't think Chet's, Chet's had a drink for 13 years because of an incident that happened in Las Vegas uh, on the strip at Caesars Palace, I think the 14th floor. <laughs> and so so the waitress comes over, refills his water, and Chet just goes, Ma'am, <laughs> have you ever met anyone famous? <laughs> she goes, Well, I know I haven't. He goes, Well, would you like to? It's <laughs> <laughs> fantastic. And then proceeds to sign her arm with a black Sharpie. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Uh, you know, and the the best part about that dinner is I think everybody woke up the next day. So we were at a dinner with Chet Suru. He was, uh, I don't know if he was actually invited, but he, she, he showed up. And uh, the next morning, everybody woke up just with Chet somewhere on their body. <laughs> He just signed. Like, I, I know Adam Stone woke up the next morning. He's like, why do I have Chet on my arm as well as my belly? <laughs> <laughs> so Chet just went into autograph mode, you know, and just. Where do I sign? Yeah, where do I sign? So Chet Subaru. Uh, yeah, I think I, we might even do a Chet of the week and have a Chet, a new Chet story each week. Because I think if we tried to go into every Chet Subaru uh, moment right now, the podcast would be renamed 
to freestyle with Chad. <laughs> Sounds like a good name to me. Actually, uh, I would like to have Chad on the podcast at some point. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. He'll, he'll be here. We'll get don't, there. Don't you worry. We'll get there. All right, guys. Hot takes of the week. Um, so back to the PPA, Atlanta. Uh, let's talk about singles again. There were 44 entries in the guys' singles. The total payout was $4,600 across the first four finishers. Uh, 44 entries at $165, which is the entry fee for singles, comes to $7,260. Now, the PPA is generally very good with payouts. They they pay out a lot, and uh, they're just good with that stuff. This one, for singles especially, not so much, just because you should never pay out less than what the entry fees add up to because, one, we should be past the point of just entry fees paying for the payout. And... Second, it just it looks bad when its entry fees alone are more and significantly more in this case. Uh, women's singles paid out the same, 4600 across all, and had 10 entries, which comes to $1,650. All combined, if you combine the two divisions, total payout was 9200 and the total entry fees was 8910 So very close. On that, I support women being paid equally. It, it you know it's, it's right and all, but kind of the point is that registration fees are extremely high and they're just it, it shouldn't be that either either they shouldn't be that high or you need to pay out more just because it's not the only thing that's going towards the 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 payout and once again that's not really anything at the PPA like they know their finances I do not uh but just in terms of just looking better for payouts that that definitely needs to change um, and 165 per event's a lot of money. Right, and that just discourages new people from playing because they know they're not going to finish. I mean, it's it, especially for the women's draw, it's like, do I want to pay $165 when I know I'm not going to meddle or make any money? Right. And that's even with 10 entries. So, I mean, look at the guys, and there's tons of guys that are paying it and saying, yeah, I know I'm not going to meddle, I'm going to lose this money, but I'm going to do yeah. it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 44 guys and four people make money, right? Yeah. Uh, and one suggestion we came across is, you know, it's important, especially for the top finishers, the guys and girls, to be paid equally. Um, we definitely both support that, and it just looks better for the sport. It's, we don't even know, need to go into why that's good. Um, but it does seem reasonable that with over four times the amount of entries for the guys, what if you just paid a little deeper? Like, say, for the guys, you paid through, I don't know, sixth or eighth or something like that. Because uh, the girls are having to win... Uh, let's see, it was a draw of 10. So, like, if you have a, have a bye, you win two matches, and you're guaranteed second um, if you win two in a row, in which case you're making, what, uh, whatever, 1,300 or something like that, whereas a guy would need to win, I don't know, uh, four to make the final, so d double that. Uh, it just makes sense that when the draw is four times larger and it's so tough to, to make money, like, You'd have to be a lot of incredible players to, to get there. That, hey, you could have the equal money at the top. Uh, still still looks good. And uh, a few more of these guys can be paid out a little deeper when the draw is this huge. Yeah. Seems and like a reasonable solution. Seems reasonable. And I think it would, yeah, I think more guys would be excited to, to sign up for singles if you know, you know, you make top eight or top six, whatever, that, uh, that you can actually at least make your 165 back that you paid to get into the tournament. Right. Um, so just another thing on just entry fees in general, I believe is a just a massive barrier to getting new blood in the sport. Like I know for me, you know, not having a sponsor out of the get, and it's tough to get stuff to get partners. It's tough. It's just a lot. There's a lot of 
tough aspects of coming into pro pickleball, which is why I think, um, you know, more top players aren't coming in quicker. You know, I think maybe especially on the women's side is just, yeah, entry fees. I mean, five, 581 bucks, uh, is, was total cost for, to, to sign up for three events plus registration at Atlanta. And I know most are over 400 as well, just overall. So, I mean, to, to pay that much plus hotels, if you don't have housing, plus flights, transportation, food, beverage, uh, these tournaments add up to crazy amounts of money. So if you're looking to get new blood in the sport, you know, I was talking to Corinne earlier this morning. She was like, she's like, yeah, you know, if, if I was just coming into pickleball, I might try it once, but you know, I'm not, I can't, I can't maintain that. I'm like, not going to medal first time and no. then I'm just going to be losing money for a while. And it's just like, we're, we're not griping about the money cause you know, pickleball, it is what it is. It's kind of a natural state of, uh, improving yeah. in terms of money and payout and all that stuff. But there's definitely some ways to make it easier on new people. Like, yeah, like we have it. Well, I, I have it pretty easy now. Yeah. But new players coming in obviously do not. The high entry fees, the the low number of payouts, not in terms of just the top, but you know, not going very deep with comparatively high draws. It's it's just very difficult, yeah. especially at first. Is kind of the point. So. Um, same thing could be said a little bit about doubles, but uh, it's usually a little better there. So just kind of wanted to address that with the singles. Very high entry fees. Doesn't pay out very very deep or even very high in, in the first place. Uh, you know, equal with women, four times the draw size. Maybe you could pay out a little deeper in the guy in the guy's draw. Uh, there's a number of ways to, to think about solutions. But, yeah, just the, the summary is high entry fees, big draws, not paying out very deep. Yep. And for appearance sake... It should always be that any draw is more than the entry fees, <laughs> yeah. even if it's a little bit, even if it's a dollar overs. <laughs> yeah, make it more than, than what the entry fees. Forty six hundred paid on singles to seventy two sixty in entry fees. Entry fees, crazy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> next topic on hot takes: chasing checks, and I I added this one <laughs> because one thing I have to say, you, know, you you can gripe some about the APP, whatever about it, you know, not being in Cincinnati, it's in Middletown, whatever, but. I've never had to chase down a check from APP. If I if I if I place, I get a check, and that's that's very nice because I don't think in a professional event you should have to chase down checks. Mm -hmm. um, PPA I can't say the same, and maybe it's because I don't earn checks as much as PPA, but I haven't been paid for. I also haven't chased it down, <laughs> but I, I just just out of principle because I don't want to have to chase down checks. But I haven't been paid for Red Rock fourth place mix or. And I and I have to go find. I I just feel like I have to go find the money, rather than ask for it. Rather than saying, if I'm running a tournament and I see people earn money via playing and showing up and supporting the event, right when those guys get off court with their result, I'm handing them a check. Mm -hmm. It's just I think the way you should do absolutely should do business and run a tournament. Mm -hmm. So I think you know that that's something, and I know I know the guys that run the tournament are all over the place. They're doing a million things, and they're trying to make people happy. And I, I just feel like it's a very important aspect of a tournament. You know, the people that showed up and and did well should walk off the court of their last match with a check in hand. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's too much to do. Right. So that's chasing checks. You know, and what a lot of this keeps coming back to whenever we talk about tournaments that could improve stuff. I think generally we talk about stuff that are, are little things that can easily be done that mm. go a long way. Because exactly. we're, we're all for a big return for little effort. Yeah. So, like the parking. And, the, and and you see, like, the PPA listen for sure on, like, the, the parking and the player areas and all that. So the easy stuff to do that goes a long way is very important. 
Yeah, it's just it's water on court, like yeah. you know, basic it's stuff. Seats, yeah, basic stuff. Uh, so we already talked a little bit about barrier to pro pickleball that was on there. Do I need to educate people about grapefruit? Light them up, Benjamin. Okay. Mm. Well, let so. me let me talk about how I eat grapefruit, and then you can go into why that's stupid sure. and why your way is better. Sure. <laughs> so I think the the most common way is you take that grapefruit, you slice that son of a gun in half, you grab a spoon. Some people grab a little sugar, sprinkle some sugar in there, and then you're just scooping. You're scooping away in that little s- in each little section. God, it makes me sad. And y- so yeah, there's some, there's some pain points with it because. And I think most people that do that are like think, thinking they're being like innovative, and this is this oh is how you eat a grapefruit. No. And the problem I always run into is the spoon is always like a little too wide for the actual you don't scoopable scoop out the pockets area. Right, you get too much rind in some bites. You kind of squeeze the fruit into a pulp and juice. And yeah, tell me, tell me juice. why it's stupid and why your way's better. Uh, well, all of those reasons. First, <laughs> it's so much effort and pain. It's like, gosh, your, your mama just didn't teach you how to eat a grapefruit right. I'm sorry. I love all the moms in the world. You guys do great, but you did not teach us how to eat grapefruits correctly. Um, except for my grandmother. She knew what's up. So she taught she yeah, taught you yeah, this. Yes, yeah, she did. Oh, the grandma uh, method. Yeah, yeah. Um, so basically what you do is you slice off the ends, the, you know, the, the round part, um, and then you're going to be left with, you know, you can see the grapefruit on the top and the bottom, but then there's rind all around it. Uh, and then you're going to just slice off the, the rind with a knife. Uh, you just kind of s- spin it in a circle as you slowly slice off each little part. Uh, and you're basically just getting all the rind off it. And then you're just going to be left with like this little cylinder of grapefruit um, with the rind in between each piece. Then you can just put your finger in the, in the middle of the grapefruit and uh, tear it in half. And at that point, you can just kind of peel off the rind quite easily. And you might say, this, this sounds like a lot of effort, but the cutting's easy. The peeling is the most dif- difficult, but I wouldn't really call it difficult. It can be pretty quick if you get good at it. Uh, and really, the, the reward is huge. You get all of the fruit. You're not smashing it into a pulp or juice. You're getting a, a literal big bite of fruit. It's in these beautiful sections, and it becomes one of my favorite fr- fruits. If I had to eat that, like how you're talking about it, I would never eat it. <laughs> As it is, it's in my top three fruits. Oh, that's very interesting. I don't know so. many people that have the grapefruit in their top three, and maybe a reason is because they don't know how to eat it. Correct. Okay. So, you know, uh, maybe it's a little hard to envision, but, you know, if, you know you, if need, I really need to do a video, I will. We need a YouTube tutorial. <laughs> yes, we do. It's going on my YouTube channel next. I finally started a YouTube channel, by the way. I, I mean, like, I never knew what to upload to it. I was like, it seems like a lot of effort, but my videographer is like, you actually need one. I'll just put your highlight videos on there. So, um, I, I do actually have one now. Was that just a shame? Shameless plug of your new YouTube channel? It wasn't even shameless. <laughs> uh, next, let me educate you about Lululemon. Uh, disclaimer, because of NML, I just do disclaimers now. Uh, I am not sponsored by <laughs> Thanks, Lululemon. NML. I am not an ambassador for Lululemon. I pay for their clothes just like everybody does. Um, and I absolutely love their clothes. I play with them in athletics. I, I wear them casually. It is, they are the best clothes in pretty much any setting because they have everything. Uh, they're soft. They're stretchy. They look nice. There's just not enough to be said. It's kind of like vanilla bean ice cream. It's classy. It's elegant. It's beautiful. It's it, like, it's, it's, it, the only thing that can't be said is that it's cheap. <laughs> they stand the test of time. They do. Lulu so and vanilla quality. bean ice cream. So high quality. There's a reason they're still staples. It's lovely. You know, if you haven't tried Lululemon yet, you should. Can I talk about Lulu real quick? Yeah, of course. So, I like very little things. Just gen- just generally speaking, I don't like having a lot of stuff. You know, it's the way Jack and I are able to move kind of between places so easily. We're not tied down to a lot of material things. 
so, and I'm always trying to even clean up the little stuff that I do have. So I, you know, I was part of a few different like uh, subscription box clothes, clothes, clothes things, and I would get random stuff. I didn't usually always like them because I didn't know what was coming, and so I stopped that. I basically took all the stuff that I had gotten from them and basically all my clothes in general, other than underwear and socks. Threw them all away. Well, didn't throw them away. Just put them in gar- garbage bags that are still in storage right now. I'll probably donate those. Uh, and then I was just like, you know what? I just want like a core staple of casual wear that I can that I can always wear. I just need to rotate through maybe three or four shirts, a few pairs of shorts, a couple pairs of pants, joggers, and that's all I'm going to own in terms of casual clothes. So I said, Benjamin, go to town. I want clothes that are going to last. I want very soft clothes. And I want very casual clothes because I don't dress up for basically anything. And he said, I got you. And then I got maybe 12 items of clothes. And it's all I wear now. And it's all Lulu. And it's all soft. And it's all comfortable. And I will never go back. Nice. I think that summarizes well. Yeah. Um, My favorite productivity book in this world, the one that has influenced my life the most, is The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. I'm not going to... It's a about it, but it, it's fantastic. It's the first book it's of its kind, and it really influences lifestyle a lot. It could be called the original freestyle book. That actually is, I d- yeah, I didn't really think about that, but he 100% promotes freestyle. Time, time over money. Um, you know, people make money to try to to try to get more time, and uh, it's yeah. So I value, I value money less. I value freedom and flexibility and time more be you among know. the new millionaires yeah the ones that do millionaire things not have million dollars yeah I my favorite line is don't be the old fat bald man with a red bmw convertible you don't want to be that dude you do not because you know what you're doing scares you're s- me you're still driving to your you're still driving to your job every day and in five years you're still going to be driving to that job every day probably not liking it very much but you'll be and ins- you know instead of a three series bmw you'll be in a five series and then you'll keep building your way up that ladder to where you think having a nicer car is going to make you happier, but it doesn't. Unless it's a Tesla. (laughs) Unless it's a (laughs) Tesla. It always comes back to Tesla for Benjamin. What's Miracle Morning, Robert? Yeah, so I don't, yeah, I don't think I've even talked to you about Miracle Morning, but um, it was probably, uh, you know, when I I started my business back in 2014, 2015, and before that I was in very much of a rut. I was jumping from job to job, didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life, and I, but I knew I wanted to do more, and I knew I wanted to create my own thing, and I knew I wanted more. Uh, I basically, uh, what I've always said is, I yeah, money's not super important to me, but I want to be able to spend time doing what I want with people that I love. Like that's always been the most important thing to me. So, one thing that got out, got me out of that job to job rut where I was just trying to figure out what I want to do is Miracle Morning, written by a guy named Hal Elrod. Um, who actually, randomly enough, I saw him at Dreamland before I left for Atlanta, or before I left for Cincinnati, and he was there with his family playing pickleball <laughs> and listening to music. Wow. So I actually met him a few years ago at the same place I met Jesse Cole, the Savannah Fanatics guy, and Adam Franklin, all at the same business thing. Um, but So how he wrote Miracle Morning, it basically just gives you a framework for a morning routine that basically the promise is if you go through this every morning it doesn't have to take longer than 30 to 45 minutes and you'll feel like you've gotten more out of your day than people have 
you know, you'll have gotten more out of your day by like 9 a.m. than people will get out of their entire day in general. Mm-hmm. So you start the day just doing... I like s- efficiency a lot. Yeah, so, but you do, so you do a little meditation or prayer, whatever, whatever strikes you. You do a little journaling uh, just to clear your head and kind of get the fog out. You do a little kind of visualization uh, to kind of picture the person that you want to be or how you want your day to go. You do some affirmations, which is just, you know, kind of repetitive sayings to yourself that build you up. Um, you do exercise, so it could be something as simple as going on a walk outside or going for a jog. Uh, so basically, it just gives you this morning framework to where you wake up, you do this first thing, and it it just starts your day off, starts your day off right. And so I started doing that back in 2014, and I did it for quite a while. And it seems so silly, but like you know, I think small decisions every day compound over time more than trying to make a big change at once. So just doing this little thing every day just added up to a massive change in my life and and led me to a more freestyle life. That's very nice. So, yeah. So Miracle Morning, Benjamin. Read it. All right. Okay. On to questions. Questions of the week. Questions. Croissants? <laughs> somebody right. croissants? Unless somebody tells me to stop doing that, I'm not going to. Yeah, just keep doing <laughs> it. It makes you very happy. <laughs> All right, so uh, first one is, once again, from one of our top fans, Walter. Um, in 5-0 level play, what is a good third shot strategy to employ? What is a reasonable ratio of drive to drop? And when driving a third shot, what is a good target? And is there a good way to alert your partner of your drive to initiate a shake and bake? A um, couple things. First of all, I never like to talk about ratios. I love ratios, but not in the third shot drive versus drop because the weight ratio is just going to vary so widely on too many things yeah. to have a consistent ratio. And if you're following that ratio, you're going to fall into some bad habits because it's not always going to work. Um, reasons for driving uh, ball-wise would be uh, short and high, big, big like driving close. Uh, slice with lots of spin deep is a good time to drive the third, drop the fifth. Uh, just easier to drop that fifth one than that original third one. Um, and then it's opponent dependent. How well do they handle a drive? Uh, it is score dependent. The tighter it is, the more often I'll drive because when people are tight, they tend to miss counters more, and it gives me more margin for error than a drop does. Um, and then it is uh, partner dependent. If they're good at poaching, if they handle counters back well, obviously that's a good reason to drive because you have that higher possibility of them making an error while you don't. Uh, and then, of course, the reverse is true as well. So those are all my reasons for driving. And if you're playing on a temp net. And if you're playing on a temp net. Very good, Robert. Uh, when driving the third shot, a good target for me, if it's tight, generally I'll go middle. Um, a lot of the time I will either go at the person or at their right hip. Uh, I rarely go line uh, unless they are stacking and I'm going down their back end line with my forehand. Like there's some, there's some times when I would, but generally I'd recommend either middle or body because it's easiest. Um, alert your partner. A pretty easy one is if you feel like you're in a good position to where you're going to hit a good drive and they have a good opportunity to bake it, just say something like go as you're about to hit it and uh, it lets them know and it even puts a little pressure on your opponent. Yeah, they know you're driving it, but it already kind of looks like you're driving it anyway. And then they get that pressure of knowing that your your uh, your partner's coming over and even though they know it's coming, it's a little more pressure, so I don't mind communicating that to your partner. Anything to add on that, Robert? Uh, I just think, yeah, sometimes when the dr- when the when the returns kind of short and short and high, 
I think the tendency is to to really go up and whack the ball, whereas then you can you can hit a sixty percent drive rather than a hundred percent drive and be be much more effective, and the ball will stay in the court. So you don't always need to just go balls to the wall on your drive. And agreed on the on the right hip. I think when I when I'm blocking and countering the most when people are driving at me, most of my errors come off that right hip because I'm sitting backhand a little bit too often. And uh, that's just a tough spot to handle, especially if they have a good drive. So if you have the ability to to really try to aim, I think most people sit a little too far back in. So right hip's a perfect spot to, to try to catch them. Nice. Uh, from Mike, we have thoughts on best three out of five in Championship Sunday. Uh, we kind of already went over that. Just to summarize, I like Championship Sunday. It's cool. I like variety of formats. Best three out of five is more professional. I like it a lot. You just got to realize that the ultimate format, I think, would be doing all best three out of five matches over two days. Because if you're doing all best out of three uh, and it's single elim early, then you can get upsets, which I don't like quite as much. So I just like best three out of five in general. But you're going to need to do more days to accommodate yep. for that. Um, and then we have another question. This guy didn't give me a name, but you'll know your question, I guess. Uh, what is the effect of paddle dimensions how it affects your game specifically moving from a 16 by 8 which is pretty standard to an elongated 17 by 7 uh so essentially with a 17 by 7 it's pretty obvious that when it's that inch thinner you're going to get more miss hits just because you have less width the paddle to hit on you're also going to get more miss hits because the paddle head is more rectangular than square so the closer the dimensions are in terms of the paddle head width to, to length not the total length the paddle length uh, paddle head length uh, the, generally the more solidity and bigger sweet spot you're going to have. Uh, so you're going to get more miss hits, not just because of that less inch of width, but just because it's not quite as solid. Um, there's other things that control this too. Is, uh, of course, just like a longer handle will make the, the length of the head smaller, which will make it a little more solid. Uh, the material you use, the, the surface, the core, all that stuff. Um, but that's just the, the dimension part of it. Uh, when it's longer, you're going to get more topspin and more power because it's just whippier. Your sweet spot's further away from your hand, uh, so that's pretty natural. But it's also going to be a little more unwieldy at the net. Uh, I'm not talking really in terms of weight. I'm just saying that when something is further away from your hand, you're going to be able to maneuver it a little more slowly. Um, so it's going to you're going to get tangled up a little bit more. Same idea with like a longer handle. Whenever the sweet spot where you're trying to hit the ball is further away from you, you're going to get more power and more topspin, but less wieldability. All right, Robert. Well done, Benjamin. I think that is, uh, that might be it for yeah. today. I, was, I had a I, had, I also had a question of the week for uh, you had a question of the week for me, but I can't I can't remember it. Okay. So if it, if it comes to me in the next two seconds, nope. Okay, bye. Okay, bye.